Welcome to Psyche of Sales, the podcast that explores the art and the science of selling. I'm your host, Johnny Lee, and today we'll be discussing one of the hottest topics in the industry, the role of artificial intelligence in sales. As business continues to adopt new technologies, it's becoming increasingly critical for sales professionals to stay ahead of the curve. In this episode, we'll dive into ways that AI is being used in sales roles today and what we can expect in the future. We'll explore the benefits and the limitations of AI in sales and discuss how sales teams can leverage these tools to improve their performance. So whether you're a seasoned sales veteran or you're just starting out, this podcast has something for you. So let's get started. Now, I hope you lasted through that introduction. And one of the first things we wanted to get across is that was written word for word by ChatGPT. Now, normally we would run off the cuff, but we wanted to get across really early on this idea that ChatGPT or AI when it comes to sales isn't just all myth, that we can write a great introduction and if we deliver it properly, it can get cut through quite quickly. Now, I want to start by talking about in this podcast, and I'm going to introduce our guest in just a moment, is we're not going to give you the solutions and we're not going to give you these advanced thoughts around how AI is going to fix everything for you but we're also not gonna debunk it as a myth. We're gonna give you a high level introduction into what we're seeing in the market as far as best practice, early adoption, all the way down, down to those that have tried it and not being able to get across any real leverage or any real outcome. So I wanna introduce my guest, which is Jed Wood, founder and director of Enable SE. G'day, Jed. Hey, good to meet you, mate. And I know this is a, a pretty cool topic for both of us to discuss. I think you know it's a good topic when we've spent 45 minutes arguing it before we even got onto the podcast. <laughs> so maybe we should have just filmed that. I think that would have been really interesting for people to see. Yeah, that's right. That's <laughs> right. And I think that's the thing when it comes to AI and sales, isn't it? That we often have this, you know, it, it, quite an emotional reaction when it comes to it. Hey, it's been really pumped up, hasn't it? Like it's the flavor of the week. Yeah, 100%. Everybody's talking about it. It's the, uh, yeah, the the new best, latest and greatest, but is it really? Yeah, and I think when I was uh, playing around with this with with Will who's uh, producing this, and you'll you'll hear a little bit from Will throughout these sessions and these podcasts, is that I was surprised on how well it would write something like that in its first try. So as long as you're great at putting that information in, what comes out is normally pretty good. Absolutely right. In fact, I think it's one of the things I've learned from doing this is that you put something in, and it's not the first response that you accept. You can work with it and refine it like you would with a, a colleague or a peer and come up with something that's better and it's the second or the third iteration, which is the really great one. Yep. And I was gonna jump in and say, isn't that just like sales? Okay. It's not just that first question we ask, yeah. it's those follow-up questions, it's digging deeper and it's getting to the core. Uh, bit of a funny one that we had recently, I was sitting down with Will over a drink and Will is a, a different generation to me. So we're having a bit of fun, having a drink at a bar, playing with ChatGPT. And I said to uh, ChatGPT, I'm 43 years old, I'm a CEO of a company, I'm sitting down with a 23 year old staff member and we're having a drink. What are some ways I can connect and engage with this younger <laughs> staff member? And he in return typed in, I'm 23 sitting with a 43 year old boss. Uh, how do I connect back? And again, we're having a, a lot of fun going back and forth at how it can be used. And I think that's a, it's not a bad place to start. It's just by playing around, having a practice and seeing where you might be able to get some value. Absolutely. It can do so much more than that, but it is a great place to start. 100%. So I, I want to go with tradition, which is uh, obviously we, we share a glass of wine. We talk about sales. And so I want to see what we're drinking today. So for the first time, something Australian. So going Crawford River Riesling. So one of the best Riesling producers in Australia. It's their Strata Riesling. 
very, very recent vintage. And uh, I think it's fair to say you've become a, a Riesling convert off the back of it. I'm loving it, yeah. Yeah, beautiful. It. So this is probably one of the, the first things we can get from it is that, you know, if we can get you liking Riesling, anything's possible. Good on good old chat GPT. Did That's it right. The wine? It didn't recommend the wine, but it has given me some uh, tasting notes off the back of it. So if <laughs> later on we want to do it, I can I can share how that looks and feels. And again, whilst Will and I were having a drink, the wine we were drinking, I asked for tasting notes. I shared them with the sommelier, who was very impressed by me, and then explained that was all through AI <laughs> as well. So again, Brilliant. I may not be using the power for, for total good, uh, but certainly having some fun along the way trialing it. Awesome. So where do we start? Let, let, let's talk around timing. Let's talk around the fact that yeah, there's been a trend in the industry for the last few years for sales leaders to be asked to consistently achieve more with less with smaller teams but their goals continue to increase where does ai fit in with that where can ai help them now maybe versus where there are opportunities that are still perhaps unproven but looking promising so i think you've got some thoughts and uh, opinions on sure. this and and i think that if we think about if we start by understanding ai obviously we're talking artificial intelligence we're talking about how we can leverage this to be able to improve our sales. And some of the things we'll explore in this is what are the pros and cons of it, the impact on sales strategy, the ethical dilemma that, that comes to that as well, and potentially what some of the future outlook might look like. So if we talk about ways that salespeople can use AI, there's the, the basic level of content production. Sure. Right? That at the moment we have departments that produce content on a really regular basis and that takes a long time yeah. and potentially it takes a lot of you know human hours to create this that ChatGPT or, or an AI you know can actually get there a lot faster to get there so I think that that's one way of doing it um, I don't know if we want to go straight into pros and cons or for, maybe we can list a few first and sure. then we can start going into that so, so I hear that and I think yeah at one level that's that's an interesting opportunity then you take it and you say so how are the sales guys going to use the collateral because we know so much collateral that gets produced never gets used. Yep. Yeah. How can something like AI help them decide based on what I've discussed with this person before, based on the nature of their organization and their, you know, the challenges they face, what's the right content to share with them? If you could help with them with that, that would be a great step forward, wouldn't it? Yeah, and, and, and so as you're saying that, and I'm putting my sales hat and where I spend my, my life most days, it makes sense to a broad audience. I'm writing information to a CFO. I'm writing it to an L&D professional. I'm writing it to a financial advisor. I'm writing it to a high net worth whose focus is X, Y, Z. But it can't replace, I'm writing it to Jed, whose drivers are this, 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 and this. Does that make sense? Completely. I had a, a joint venture partner that we were sitting with recently showing me their new AI, pro AI product, which was great. And it only reads from their network. So it's not going out to the whole universe. It's just information on their platform. And it's something we were talking about, obviously, for, for Enable IQ, because we've got what we believe is best practice on this. So rather than go out in the world, we can, we can sort of yeah. hone in on this. And it said, can you please develop an email to go to a CTO uh, regarding XYZ? And bang, an email was just written. Yeah. And I said jokingly, but also very seriously, yeah, that's great, but the email's terrible because the order's wrong. So whilst it reads well, 
and you think, gee, it's done a good job to write that email, the structure's wrong. The ask is at the end, it's provided loads of information and it hasn't provided a strong enough so what as to why they would make that meeting. But it could tailor it to hundreds of people at you know, 60% tailored yeah. and maybe in some cases that's enough. I, I think you had a great point there. So it's, yeah, our, our goal in, in sales effectiveness, sales enablement, is to help people just become as good as they can possibly be. I think AI will help a lot of people be a little bit better than they are at the moment. Yep. But it's, it's not nuanced enough, it's not sophisticated or developed enough yet that can really mimic what a top performer does. Yeah, and, and I think... I think it really depends on your product line as well. So thinking about, you might have a mass produced product, it might be very okay, price driven, a commodity. Yeah. A commodity. Yeah. And so you know, a lot of our clients are, uh, how do I put it? They're trying to differentiate themselves in a crowded marketplace. They don't want to be the cheapest. So that nuance of actually being really linked and aligned to every individual stakeholder is critical. Some of our clients have a, a two year sales cycle and it's, yeah. it's how do we get each and every sales point right? And if we can add 1% here and 2% there and half a percent there, and we improve our conversion rate by 8%, 10%, 12%, at the end of a few year period, that could be the difference in yeah. hundreds of millions in revenue in some cases. Could be tens and at least millions in, in almost all cases. And so that leads me to not just the content production, but how it can help with the sales strategy and potentially sales cycle. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So let's let's have a touch on that, and then I want to talk about some of the stats that you found that we uh, caused a bit of an argument as well from us. <laughs> Good. Yes. So if, if we take if we take something like a lead nurturing strategy, yeah. I, I can imagine that with the right amount of sort of work and data, you could design really effective lead nurturing programs using AI. Yep. And it would look at response rates to all the different types of content that you share different messages you share when it was email versus phone call versus yeah, some sort of thought leadership piece. Yep. And it would help you understand this is an ideal lead nurturing program for the next three months. And it would then look at response rates and it would tailor that. Now, because it's being done by a machine, it could do that so much quicker than a human could. Yep. But I'm not convinced it necessarily could do it better. It could just do it quicker. Yeah, and, and I think though, if I think of this idea of so it's lead nurturing, and I'm thinking account-based marketing, and okay, so potentially yeah, it could yeah. it could drive that faster. And a lot of the CRMs can already do a lot of this work, but AI potentially can, you know, even speed that up further. There's also that idea of lead scoring. So we sit with an organisation and we say, who are you targeting? Why are you targeting them? Have you started by looking at who your current clients are? Yeah. Why do you win when you win? Why do you lose when you lose? And we were doing it with a, a group recently, which is, as you know, a passion project for me. It's, it's in the sporting industry. And looking at, well, why do people buy? Why do people sponsor? Why do they get involved? And we've sort of come up with five main reasons. Yeah. And we can do lead scoring, but we're doing this very manually, this process. And it works. But potentially, you could run that over these organisations. Point it at a market and yeah. just say... 
give me the top top opportunities in that market. Yeah. yeah. And so there's that idea again that speeds it up. But we also know if we come back to this idea of the, the sales value chain or the process, which is 1% here, 2% here, trying to run 50, 100, 200, 1,000 opportunities at once is really challenging. And so having something with that level of capacity that can almost cut through objectively, yeah. right? Because sometimes we're going to talk subjective in a moment, but sometimes objectively is the bit we miss. You know, I, I think of the amount of people that, are, you know, they, they just overqualify. Well, you, you just mentioned it's a passion project. Yeah. So regardless of what the lead score was, yeah. you were going to do something with them. Oh, and, and I get excited driving yeah. over there and, and being able to do it. And so um, that lead score would be, you know, a very small number apart from, you know, fulfillment, I suppose, <laughs> or purpose, which, you know, for me at a stage of life where that's really important. But, but equally, you, you've, you've made it work. So you've, you've taken a raw lead score and then through your passion and your knowledge of their needs and how you can make a difference for them, you've probably bolstered it so it's now a top score. Yes. And it absolutely justifies it. So there's the objective and then there's the, the less objective but what else is possible. Yeah. And yeah, I don't think AI is yet ready to manage the balance between those two? Well, I think we've touched on a number of the pros, which is potential efficiency, speed to market, being able to get scale out of it. So there's, yeah. there's three, and we're, we're talking at basic levels of implementation at this stage, right? And you're gonna potentially touch on some, some higher levels that'll, that'll cause some uh, fun discussion. Some of the cons, right? Um, I, was, I was watching a, a cool podcast and it had the, the head of OpenAI, Sam Altman, uh, on. And it was a really fascinating conversation. It was a couple of years ago, but they brought it back uh, recently and it was with Guy Raz on how I built this. And so if you haven't seen that, please get out and, and listen to it. Great entrepreneurs, but also artists as well, musicians and so on. But it, it really gets to a level of depth of, of questioning. And he said, Sam, I'm gonna provide you with two introductions that I was able to get off, off um, AI from, from OpenAI, and I think it was Chat 3 at the time or something like this. So, Will, maybe you could look up what it was called previous to this. So, but, but he said, uh, before you jump in, though, I want to get to the end of both. And so we read the first one out. You know, Sam grew up in this area, went to this school, was great at this, then worked here and then did this and did that. And he goes, great, now I want to read the second one. And the second one was quite different to the first one, but also read perfectly. He said, so I typed two things in, I got two very different responses, uh, telling you went to different schools, you worked at different places from different ages, you grew up in different towns, but it read beautifully. And what he said was, and I'm sure it's shifted a lot since then, I know it has, but it, it's inability to fact check, fact check. Yeah. And so it takes the information and it puts it forward. And because it reads so well, we automatically go through this assumption it's right. And that's one of the challenges that, that I, I have with it is, is this idea that because it reads beautifully, it's almost like you know, that perfect salesperson that just speaks well, looks good, sounds good, everything is, is going for them. So people just follow. For, for those who remember the Simpsons, the monorail guy, you know, is, is there a chance the track will bend? You know, it, it's the kind of, he just comes back with this one liner immediately. It, it, it's that ability to just get people to follow you because you're so charismatic. I feel there's a bit of charisma when it comes to it. You know, the amount of times that, that I've been using it and, and I can 
get a bit caught up in, in, in the usage of it because it writes so well. Um, but it also gives a great first draft and then you can go back through. So thank you, Will. Uh, it started at GPT-2 and then GPT-3 iterations and it was GPT-3 I think that he was discussing at the time and now it's been brought out as, as ChatGPT. Um, thanks for that, Will. That was very, very helpful. Any other cons? Well, so I think, let's be honest, if we look at any CRM system that any organisation has and you ask how confident are you with the data that's in there, you're going to get a mix of responses, but there'll be people who are sceptical about, are all the opportunities in there? Yep. Are the values realistically in there? Are the, the anticipated or forecast close dates realistic that are in there? Yep. Yeah. So if this is machine learning, if this is data driven and algorithms are saying, based on this, this is going to happen. Yep. And if the data that it's using for that is wrong, you've, you've got to wonder, how do you ensure that you take care with that and adjust how you interpret it to reflect your level of confidence with the accuracy of the data. Yeah, 100%. I think it's a brilliant way of looking at it is this idea of if we're not putting the right data in and we use a lot of performance data through yeah. our capability assessments and this is no shot at the clients but we ask for anywhere up to sort of 77 different performance data points but we don't use 77, we use one, two or three. Yeah. right? the challenge people have in providing us what would be described as simple data points. Exactly. Yeah. You say, give me one set of data for all of your people that absolutely reflects who the top performers are versus the rest. Yeah. Is it absolute total sales? Not always, because they might have, you know, the, the nature of their territory or they might have got a or, or, or sit with that, that They might have been a $3 million rider and then they went to two and a half and then two, but it still puts them in the top 10. Yeah. Do you think someone who's lost 30% of their business in two or three years is an example of a top performer? Great point. Probably not. Great point. And so that doesn't necessarily demonstrate that, but the data coming out of it isn't strong enough in, in often cases to be able to provide the link between prospecting, the link between quality of prospecting, repeat prospecting of going back to the same people and equaling results, the ability of qualifying, prioritisation, uh, driving people through the milestones of the sales process, closing quality deals, pricing quality deals. You know, so someone who's always at a higher profit margin as opposed to yeah. someone who writes loads of revenue. There's a whole bunch of these bits of information, but I've no doubt if we typed in right now to ChatGPT, how do you measure high performance within a sales team, it will give us four or five or six really clear measurements. Completely. But can you actually provide me with the data to measure it? Yeah. And, do you, and do you trust it? Do you trust it? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So then you, know, you take that one step further and you say, right, so what are some of the really obvious ways that AI could help? You know, it could help any salesperson be more efficient yeah, to create sales forecasts more quickly, complete their pipeline plan more quickly. Yep. Um, those would be great things for them to be able to do because then they can spend more time selling rather than reporting or forecasting. But if those forecasts are based on, let's call it, yeah, inaccurate or not totally accurate data, yep. then what you get out at the end, you know, what can you do with it? So Will's just gone ahead and actually asked ChatGPT, 
how would you effectively measure performance <laughs> within a sales team? Right. And it's, it, it is sales revenue, sales growth, conversion, conversion rate, average deal size, cycle sales point. cycle length, yeah. customer acquisition cost, uh, sales activities, customer satisfaction, sales pipeline, individual performance. And so, so there's... No, that's all the things that you'd normally look for. Yeah, hundred percent, and, and margins are really important one. But again, if we went to all of the organisations out there, how many of you can accurately measure those ten things across your entire sales team? Exactly. Right, exactly. because it's challenging, it's hard, it's, it's time-consuming. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've worked with sales teams where they only put deals in the pipeline once they've got to a certain stage and they're pretty sure that they're going to get them across the line. So they look like they've got a better conversion rate. Yeah, what was it? an organisation we worked with said that they had a 60% a conversion rate. And then we worked out, was it one in 10 went in to the <laughs> pipeline out there? And, and so, you know, roll that out and, yeah, and it's, it's really clear that it's not 60%. Mm-hmm. And so the challenge we had is we were demonstrating a rise in conversion rate but our conversion rate that we showed went from 60% up to 20%. So it went down by, <laughs> you know, 40% there. Yeah. But actually it went from six to, you know, we actually had a significant uplift exactly. because we were, we were providing more accurate data that was going in. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I want to quickly give an example of, of how I've seen it work. And, and this was years ago. This was at the Dreamforce conference in San Francisco. Oh, yeah. You were there. You weren't at this uh, particular um, session that I went into and in fact it's probably worth noting that Jed and I flew to San Francisco for this conference and did not see each other once during the day uh, we saw each other at night probably shows our personalities were off to different things yeah, yeah. Um, I was struggling with the 180,000 people in a city as well it wasn't really my kind of thing <laughs> um, you do with crowds better than me I think I said to you I'm fine being on stage in front of a crowd I just don't like being in a crowd right and this, you can't even get a break there can you like no, it's just yes but there's nowhere to sit and no. just have a coffee and relax or something like this I think I watched two of the sessions uh, on a treadmill or a cross trainer just getting a workout in watching it on a oh, screen yeah, exactly. yeah. yeah just to get away from people for a little bit that was killing me but I watched this session it was an insurance company and this insurance company had adopted AI very very early and someone picked up the phone because a tree and they, they, they showed us a live call sorry a call a recorded call that had happened okay so a genuine call and someone called up and said hi my name's xyz i live at this address they already knew the address because the phone number was linked to the address and that popped up immediately and said a tree has fallen in my garden what do i do and so instantly ai and machine learning had actually gone through their policy and brought out the section which talks about where it actually covers that particular part of the policy. Brilliant. And said, you're completely covered. There's no excess that you need to pay. And we can either contact them for you or you can contact them directly. There's three people in your area that you can call. Um, I've just sent them through to your email address. Fantastic. It then told them that if that tree had fallen on the house, they would not be covered, right? And so it said, ask them about this. And so they said, do you know that if it fell on your house, you wouldn't be covered? Would you like someone from our team in this department to give you a call and discuss what your options are? That would be great. So that was immediately then sent to a person who was going to call them. Is there anything else that we can help you with? And so that made the job of the person very, very easy. And I was quite blown away by this because I thought, what a... What a great way. And if you have this reactive environment 
you know, in a, in a business like that, I think that's near perfect. My concern as a coach or trainer and someone who works in the skills area a lot is making sure that they stay present in the conversation. Like, how do you listen to someone? Yeah. But the impact that could have would be phenomenal. But I don't know how scalable that was, and I've never seen or heard an organisation use that. You know, certainly we deal with some global organisations that, that aren't using that technology today. And then I think you face another challenge, which is what a brilliant way to help people who are new in the role have great conversations with clients. But if you've been in that job for a year or two years, you're really experienced. Do you really want somebody to take all the thinking out of your job? Sorry, somebody, a thing, a system to take. Th th yeah, it's 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 funny, isn't it? Because it, in a way, it it helps lesser skilled people be more efficient and effective. Yeah. And as an organisation, you've got to love that. But for somebody who is more highly skilled, you almost want to find different work for them, don't you? Well, I, my, you're, you're, you're realising yourself as you're talking, um, the challenge, yeah. which is you, they won't hire a highly skilled person into that role. You know, and I shouldn't say they won't hire a highly skilled, that person will then move into a role which yeah. requires more yeah. connection, thought, yeah. thinking on your feet. Um, the reason I, I sort of talked about being very lovely, Will and I, when we type into ChatGPT, we're very polite, aren't we, Will? We, a lot of please, a lot of thank you, because just in case they're running us one day, we just want to make sure that uh, <laughs> you know, we're the good guys. They, they know that we're on their side. Um, but, but that is the case. It, it, it is, it, that's where it can change. And I think, though, that as a salesperson or a sales leader, you know, we talk about this idea of, the way the world sells is fundamentally flawed, but this idea of how do you treat sales as a profession? And it's my number one frustration that I go out there and I see salespeople who are totally incentivized to, to do better. Their income will be up, yeah. customer satisfaction. As I said to a group last week, if you truly believe in what you do, why aren't you trying to get it out to more people? Right, that's yeah. the piece that I talk about. Yeah. If you run a fund and you think you're great at it, then you need to be so great at communicating it that, that no one is under any illusion of how great you are at it. But we don't. Well, I do, and I know you do, yeah. but a lot of people don't. They don't practice, they don't improve, they don't try and hone their skills to be great at it. And I think in, in this case, we're gonna to have to, to a degree, get better, so we're differentiating ourselves from some of the things that anyone could do. Because if it's just a matter of walking out, delivering a brochure and talking to it for five minutes, that will be replaced. And in some industries it has. But in cars, there's a lot of places now where it, it, it's all of the cars are the same price at every dealer, and they can organise a test drive for you and so on, but, but that's it. That's the price. Well, they've got no choice, have they? Yeah. Because you go online and you just look up the prices. Well, I think, I'm 99% sure you, you can only buy a Tesla online. Is that right, Will? Maybe you can find out for me, but it's, I'm not even 99% sure that. And I've heard Mercedes are moving to that as well. Okay. So I'll take you through it. This is how it looks. It's great. Perfectly. When you're ready, just go ahead and buy it online. Right? Yeah. You can still do finance through this way. And, and so there is going to be a need for us to be able to differentiate ourselves as salespeople to, to prove that we are different, that there is value to it out there. The thing about this, this idea of, of the pro and con, I want to explore skill-based training. You touched on a couple of things and I, and I want to touch on that. And then I thought we might move on to a couple of just ethical yes. aspects to it. And, and then we can um, yeah, talk future and wrap this up. 
you mentioned there's technology now that not only that actually reads the intent of the client and, and maybe the you can talk about the, the sentiment of the yeah. client. So c can you sort of talk about that and then I, I want to maybe recreate but you know less yeah. aggressively uh, the podcast <laughs> that I probably came out with, uh, recreate what it is that we talked about before. Perfect. So you imagine somebody's in an outbound sales role, they're on the phone, they're, they're calling clients and they're having conversations either to try and get meetings or to try and sell a product. And the, the AI application is being used in two ways. In one way, it's being designed to listen to and monitor the nature of the conversation, interpret the sentiment of the person who's being talked to, and provide feedback to the caller, the salesperson, to say, yeah, speed up, slow down, consider this, raise this, approach this, based on the way that they're interpreting the reaction of the person in front of them. The other way it's often being used is where calls are being recorded and then the, um, the AI platform tool, conversational intelligence, is, is critiquing it and looking for keywords that they've shared. Did they share the right messages, the right value propositions in the right way? Did they answer all of the questions that the client asked? Did they you know, maintain control of the conversation, use first names? All those things that we know can make a difference in order to give them feedback on, this is what you're doing well, this is what you can change. In the hope that people will be able to use that feedback in order to become more effective. Yeah. So, that's nothing but positive. If it works the way that it says. So, so if it works, yes. And if the people receiving the feedback are receiving it in the right way to improve, not just repeat, wrote what it's saying. Yeah. And I worked with a, a team in the medical industry once and it was driven by marketing. And they said, we have six key messages. Every time you're in front of a doctor, I need you to repeat these six key messages. And I watched them and it was like they could have just handed a piece of paper yeah. or a brochure. There was just no connection whatsoever. But what they were doing, they'd read about, there was science behind. If we get these messages out to thousands of people, but it's how they were getting the messages across. But I know it, it, it looks into the sentiment of the, that as well. And there are commonalities. You know, you hear about Dr. John Gottman who, who can look into a marriage, I think it's 80 or 90% accuracy within 30 seconds, he can tell whether marriage is gonna last or not, right? Now, the joke of this is that I think it's 60% of marriages fail, so he's actually not, not as good as you think, right? <laughs> but the same thing is when we watch someone present, I don't yeah. need to see an hour. If I can see three 30-second slices, I can give you an idea of some of the things that you're great at and some of the areas yeah. that you can improve on. Uh, in some cases, it's literally within 30 seconds we can talk to it. But how I deliver the feedback to that person with the likelihood they're actually going to go away and embed it is a critical skill as well. Absolutely. And that's the bit that I'm really curious on, how well AI is delivering it. And I can imagine there'll be organisations where they're literally giving feedback after every single call at the, ev at the end of every single day. And this idea of you know, feedback's a gift, you've got to take it on, I agree. But I'm sure there'd also be an element of feedback fatigue. Oh God, well, like there's only so yeah. much feedback that you want to receive on a day-to-day -day basis. And, and we know the power of role play. Yes. You know, when you've got a coach and you can get feedback and then role play and practice before you make the next call, 
that is still, you know, there's no substitute for that. Well, it's that idea of practice, 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 yeah. practice. And again, you know, they talk about in comedy, this idea of sometimes their early sets on a particular joke or a particular set is absolutely terrible but they're just trying to work out where do you get a laugh, where there's a break, where there's an oh, you know. It, it's really trying to hear all aspects to see if it works. Now, the sentiment might be, sentiment might be, pause here, replace this joke and so on. It'd be interesting to see how well that works. But again, if you're giving feedback to the comedian the entire way through, how well are they receiving that? And therefore the likelihood of them listening, taking it on and actually doing something about it. Yeah, I mean, how can you listen to the person you're talking to and read and interpret the feedback that you're getting. Yep. It, I, I think that that's challenging. Yeah. And so it'd be interesting to see how it develops, the type of organisations that are using it. Um, I think we're both open to this idea of it could really work, but it is this idea of how well is it working, how people are taking it on board. And I know if I'm delivering feedback to 10 people, how I deliver it to those 10 people are different yeah. based on their style. Yeah. And some people really love that directness, but, but also the strength-based feedback of making sure people know what they're doing well so they don't change it is so critical. Yeah. And because everyone likes different things, how is it sort of deciding? Is it based on an audience? Is it based on the call? So there's a, I think there's a whole bunch of things out there that uh, I think leverage it, but just be really careful of how often you're outlaying this or putting this forward. Completely agree. I think there's, there's some really interesting opportunities with AI around efficiency, doing certain things faster so that you can maximise your selling time. But in many ways, the doing things better, doing things more effectively, developing and applying your skills in the most effective way, that's still got some way to go, I think. Yeah, OK. So if we think about then potentially some of the ethical dilemmas that it comes to it. Or, or do you want to quickly jump in a couple of your data points that came out? No, no, don't worry about those. Let's, this is much more interesting. Let's go into the, uh, the ethical. Can we touch on one data point? This is the thing that annoyed me the most, <laughs> is that an organisation, which I will not mention, <laughs> who we disagree, but I have, believe has a very strong vested interest in this being the case, said two thirds of organisations that adopt AI, AI. have I've improved. Have seen a revenue uplift. Have seen a revenue uplift. Yeah. And the idea of what is adopting AI and what is a revenue uplift yeah. and how much of it is market-driven and yeah, you know, there's so many things that go on around sure. this but it is something that I imagine a head of sales or an organization bringing to their people saying hey if we do this we'll see an uplift so we're just going to put AI in without potentially going into the detail of what impact does it have maybe that's the perfect bridge into ethical Yes, yeah, AI, that's right. That's a good point, right? <laughs> How well do we use stats and data to drive people? Because, you know, again, consultancy companies and, and, and all organisations that, that are, are selling something have to keep this in mind, that it's not just selling our product or service and getting it across to people. How are we genuinely helping them? How are we making a shift? How are we making an impact? And I got quite excited on a meeting yesterday afternoon. I was there with them on Thursday as well, all online. And it just, I know we can change their business. And, and I think they're knowing it as well. And it's now, how do we get the next five stakeholders across? And I'm working your way on that in the, in, the, in the background. But it's this idea of when you just know there's something exciting about it, rather than just pitching or pushing a product. 
So if we start by this idea of how do we leverage data to show people how much it's working, you know, this idea of maybe not getting specific enough, you know, what does adopting AI actually look like? Yeah, absolutely. And if, if this is all about ethics, then, you know, we want to change the way people sell. Yeah. We want sales to be treated as and viewed as, as professional as any other career that people can undertake. But there's a history within sales, I think, of you know, some individuals, some industries being less authentic, less honest, less credible than others. And I think there's a risk with AI that it will, this is how you get people to say yes, maybe when yes isn't the right answer for them. Yeah, yeah. Look, I've got a theory on some of these lesser industries as well in the sense of they have top salespeople, ethical people in some of these industries, but also some of the best salespeople in the world, but also a low barrier of entry to get into that it. Point. And that's, that's the, the problem with sales in general is it's very rare that you need a qualification to be a salesperson, mm. right? Sometimes organisations put that across it and there's organisations like financial advice where communication and sales skills is critical. The government is now putting regulation that you need to have that degree. Or, or, but to me, that doesn't equal the ability to communicate. Yeah. And the inability to communicate is where people start stressing and the salesperson or the professional makes the wrong decision. I think it's the same in consulting. I think it's the same in technology. It's when you're under pressure because you're not great at what you do that you start just cutting corners in transparency. Yeah. What you don't see is the great salespeople who people are aware of the fee from up front, they're not negotiating on price because they've built so much value. They really get complaints because they're so good all the way through. But I think if we're cutting corners, it's easy to get around things and that's where some of the ethical dilemmas come up. That's great. Yeah. Another element, and this is something that I don't want to say it scares me, but it's certainly something I think that this, this role of the influencer now. And Will's been talking about the technology that would allow it to go through and listen to our podcast, listen to the videos we've put up, and then be able to take over my voice. So it would be able to use my voice in anything. And then we could use ChatGPT to write all of the scripts and potentially release audio-only podcasts without me ever being in the room or being anywhere near it. And I could release three a week, four a week, five a week. I could do three a day. And the amount of time it would take to have it prepared and then delivered by a human would be hours, a few hours a week, maybe, Will? Or maybe a day? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So think about the amount of content that could go out there. And I suppose my concern is you could have someone without any expertise in an industry, but low ethics, and they could go out and become an absolute expert to the market by just releasing and filming or audio content that's going out to the market on a regular basis in which they've written none, right? And so we're already in a world where that, that expert is getting quite clouded. And I just, I, 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 I'm keeping a cautious eye on where does it go? And there's a few that I'm watching online at the moment of a couple of different experts that are having a bit of a beef about a few things that are going on and, and, and they're quite interesting where one particular guy is calling some people out on it. And, you know, it, it's interesting to see where this will end up, but I think it's relying too much on the individual doing the right thing. So that, that, 
the thing that comes to mind there for me is this, this idea of who are you listening to, who are you being influenced by, and what due diligence have you done around them? You know, are they new to the industry and they're, they're looking great because of ChatGPT, or have they actually been in it for 20 years and they've got a track record and they know what works and what doesn't work, and they've, they've earned their stripes? But how do you know any of this? Because again, think about the ability to design a great website, the ability to fill it with great content, the ability yeah, to yeah. put a few mastheads of companies that are on there that would really get checked. Like a, the amount of That's a great point. You know, people we see that have clients of ours that are on their website that we know they've never worked with in the last 10, 15 years, but it's still sitting in there like they're currently working with them on a day-to-day -day basis. It's a very easy thing to do. And I think that's the, the challenge is choosing a company, you know, will it come down to that months of influence? Because you know, if you get called in, because if they're doing that to thousands, hundreds of thousands, millions of people, there is a, they're gonna generate leads yeah. that are coming yeah. in that are of a level of warmth that could go to someone of a lower quality that could convert those leads, as opposed to this proper lead nurturing building credibility through doing, making sure that's being communicated out to the world, and then you know, going into competitive bids and so on. It, 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 it's gonna be interesting to see where we go over the coming years to see, are we seeing the, the rise of the unethical influence? I think we already are, but how's that gonna to move towards maybe the corporate space? That's a, that's a great point. It'll be interesting, yeah, because that whole quality control it's, it's lacking at the moment, isn't it? Well, we know to the it's individual the and to the SME, it is, it, it's the Wild West. Yeah. You know, 10X, 20X, 100X, like it's just, we just pull these numbers out like it's, like it's, it's nothing. And I'm gonna show you how asking these three questions is gonna change your life forever as I'm walking out of a private jet or clicking <laughs> a, 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 you know, a Ferrari or something like yeah, this, yeah. like that equals this and someone says, I wouldn't mind a private jet and a Ferrari. I could ask three questions, so I'm gonna do this. And if I just pay $99 a month, that's gonna equal this. And I think that there's a level of cleverness that these people do. Like that is a, a, an expertise in itself, but jumping on your computer will probably teach you that and wanna drive that as an outcome. And I got an invite on LinkedIn to follow someone who is Australia's leading sales enablement expert and sales training expert. Okay. Who I'd never heard of. No one I've ever asked has heard of. <laughs> um, but he's Australia's leading at it, right? And I've seen some of his stuff and I think, you know, very clearly it could come off chat to it could come off anywhere. But this idea of, you know, being invited to this and how many LinkedIn messages do we get that we know are automated that just keep coming and coming and coming from there. And I think, why would you send me 11 messages and now I block them, but they're not. Something else is doing that on their behalf, so it costs them nothing and it's yeah. probably going to 10,000 people or 20,000. If I can win 1% or 2% of that, that's enough to make it worthwhile. And I think that's the bit where, if you think of telemarketing back in the old day, the old days, yes. like I'll start that again. If you think of telemarketing back in the old days, it was pick up the phone and dial, pick up the phone and dial, pick up the phone and dial. And it was very effective. And I know this because I had telemarketing teams, but it got slowly less and less effective because people knew if someone called me up at this time, it meant this. 
And now to the point where people don't pick up half the time numbers they don't know because it's just become like the new world of people is they just won't pick up their phone, right? And so that whole industry is being hit, right? Email marketing, same thing, just spam, spam, spam. And now it's hitting our socials, right? And so now we're finding cleverer ways of connecting by using AI to automate this idea of creating content, getting in front of people. You know, we were showing before of, um, you know, Joe Rogan selling a product which is all AI generated. It's quite phenomenal that it's doing it there. There will be people who fall for this, right, on a regular basis. And I think that's going to be the interesting thing that we've got to view out there for credible companies who don't want to go down that line and, and, and hopefully hold that line as long as they can. But it's going to be really interesting to see where it ends up. So, so let, let's wrap it up there. What are some of the key takeaways from this then that you'd encourage people to, to think about based on the maturity of AI at the moment? If you set aside AI for a moment, the same message we always have is to be reviewing constantly your processes and your skills to how do we constantly get better. You know, this old saying we say tongue in cheek here, yeah, hashtag just be better right? Or or someone the other day, just do something, do something to be better and you will get better. You know, if you, if you do action, something will come off the back of it. So explore how AI can help. I wouldn't dive in and go 100% and get 12 organizations to pitch to you how it's going to transform your life. I'd start down that path of looking though and and investigating and then start using it in ways that you think you're going to get some little wins off the back of it. So whether it's through content production, whether it's through looking at the systems or not, I think it's, look, it's inevitable. So this idea of waiting a year, like I was the guy who waited until the very last minute before I got an, iP- an iPod. I think I bought the very last Discman that existed in the world, right? Um, with Megabase and all these things out there traveling around Europe and the iPod existed, but I still bought this because I thought who would want just random songs shuffling on there. Now the thought of a, a disc in your car would just <laughs> blow me away. So, so I'm a, a late adopter with things like this, but when it comes to AI, Look for the ways where it can make the greatest impact, not on what somebody tells you, but actually look in our business. Where are some ways where we are wasting human hours and we can get better connection to people if we can do it on a mass level? And then how do we use our people to more connect on that human level and oversee the subjective stuff where only they could see? So I'm hearing there, it's not an either or, it's how do we use the two together to get better. And I did this with a group a number of years ago with a new investment product. And they were saying, this is coming. This is how it is in the world. You know, we want to educate you. And we just changed the message to, it's coming whether you like it or not. The rest of the world's using it. Everyone will adopt it. It's just, do you do it today or in a year or two, right? And I think this is the case with AI. A lot of people are using it. Soon, most will be using it. It's just how do we use it to get the greatest impact? Because you could very easily be like Will and I were sitting over a drink, sitting on ChatGPT, having jokes around, you know, finding, you know, asking Will, have you seen anything recent pop culturally? You know, because that's what it talked about. But actually go ahead and actually look at what are the ways that we are currently lacking in our business. You know, we spend a lot of time doing this, right? You currently spend 70% of your time struggling to get in front of people. So is there a way that we can automate 10 or 20%, not even AI, just use technology in general, you know, ways of booking calendars or, you know, there's a whole bunch of things that you can do, but certainly start looking first of where can we get the greatest uplift and then start playing around the edges of how you can do it. And and, and just, I don't know, keep your ears open, listen to podcasts, speak to experts. And I think from there, you've got a better chance. Completely agree. 
Thank you, Jed. Okay. Appreciate it. That was enjoyable. Um, that hour flew by very, very quickly. Yeah. Wow. Um, but also, thanks for listening. We really appreciate it. We're going to keep tackling different issues around sales. But if you've got any topics or anything that you would like to hear more about, please, we'd love you to get in touch. And uh, looking forward to chatting on the next episode.